gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Esports Now Network. I am Jared Pergar alongside Kevin Quigley and Joe Smeltzer. Gentlemen, Penn State wins yet again at Illinois. It looked a little different than their t- previous two wins, but uh, yet again, another dominant performance by the Nittany Lions defense. It really was. And I think coming into this week, I was concerned. Luke Altmaier showed the ability to run. Um, they have Reggie Love the third in the backfield. He's shown the ability to run as well. And we saw how well Penn State's defense did against Mer- West Virginia's French running game. And the fact that Penn State was able to hold them to 62 yards rushing, I think is a massive win. But it's not it's not the story of the game. Yeah, the story, Um, I think, definitely is five turnovers uh, defensively and not turning the ball over at all offensively. That's You're going to win a game almost every time when that's uh, the ratio with turnovers. There's no doubt about it. And it was a little concerning uh, defensively that first drive because Illinois kind of did what they wanted a lot of the time. But uh, once they got into Penn State ter- territory, Penn State kind of buckled down and they ended up shanking a field goal. And that was really, aside from – Illinois scoring drive first scoring drive the second scoring drive happened when the game was already over but the first one they had towards the end of the second quarter that was there were a few uh there were a few uh, questionable spots there but yeah it's hard to say too much um about a defense uh that forced five turnovers that doesn't uh show up uh in the box score uh the secondary especially I think when you have three different was it that was Three different guys or four different guys got picks from the secondary alone. It was free because Carter got one heat linebacker and we had Hardy, um, Cam Miller and Johnny Dixon. So three different defensive backs. None of them were Kalen King, by the way, and he's the first round draft pick. Kalen King actually did not have his best game. He missed at least one tackle that I saw, but it didn't really matter. Uh, Penn State was all over the place. And one guy I want to mention, and me and Jared were talking about him, Dom DeLuca, is going from a nice story to a pretty key contributor on this football team. This is the second week straight week. He's made a big play. The play he made in the Delaware game came when Penn State was already up, I think 49, seven, but the play he made in this game came when it was zero, zero. It was the first real big play um, that anybody made on Penn State's defense. And Don DeLuca really, I would argue he kind of set the tone for the whole day. Yeah, and anytime you have a guy like that making some plays, I think that's that's very big. I mean, obviously getting involved in a game against Delaware is huge. That's great. But at the same time, it's one of those situations where getting guys like DeLuca involved when players aren't quite having their best days, I think is very important. And it's one of those situations where if they're able to get productivity out of everybody defensively, it only bodes well for them. And let's keep in mind, they are just dominating up front. Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, those guys are making plays. And they're holding opponents to under 70 yards uh, and rushing. You know, that's yet again is, is another thing. And that's when when that type of dominance happens, it opens things up, forces players, forces uh, the other team to throw the football. And when you have a ball hawking secondary like they do, it's a recipe for success. Yeah, you want to talk about ball hawking. Daquan Hardy. Gets thrown into game action. He's finally healthy. And I'm pretty sure the first throw that he was in coverage for just makes an absolute play to like turn his hips 
and jump and make the interception. And then Keziah Izzard and Zane Durant on the defensive line, a defensive tackle, they really stepped up this week. Keziah Izzard, I believe, returned to action this week because he's been hurt the first two weeks of the season. So both of them came in week three. It's not the easiest thing to do. To I mean, let's keep let's re- remind ourselves this was a road conference game. It was the opener conference game as well. And yeah, they may have come out sluggish to start, like Joe said, you know, four or five minute drive and but they got like what one key I think it was an offensive pass interference call. It just blew the drive up and shanked a field goal so bad that it missed the net. And then it was Penn State from there on out just despite the offense sputtering. Yeah, and anytime, you know, you're you're on the road, you're playing an hour typically earlier than you're used to. You're it's an eleven AM kick, your your morning routine is kind of off kilter, but just to come out and play their game. I mean, they still held Illinois to 13 points. And I think there's volume, there's value in that. And when you're able to hold a team to 13 points, you're going to win more games than you're going to lose. And if they're able to continue that type of play defensively, it's going to be a huge test against Iowa Saturday night under the lights at Beaver stadium. Uh, Iowa actually put up 41 points against uh, directional Michigan over the weekend. So, that Brian Frentz, um contract countdown is, is is in good shape, but but yeah, I mean it's a dominating performance um, overall defensively, but they're also getting guys in, in on the second team too, and I think there's value in getting those substitutes in in a lot of these games early in the season. Yeah, um, and credit to Illinois too; uh, they played pretty well defensively. That Johnny knew. And that that's a stud. That's a guy that might be um, a first round draft pick and could be an All American too. But these are the type of games that I wrote a column about this for Nittany Sports. Now, um, I think James does a pretty good job in summing up the feel of a game in his post game pressers. I think there's very seldom a time where he says something in his opening statement that isn't indicative of what we just watched. I think he usually can sum that up pretty well. Uh, not all coaches can. I don't think. Pat Narduzzi did a great job with that and his uh, post-factor brawl presser um, for Pitt, but that's that's <laughs> another discussion. But that's um, going to be the third what, segment. What, <laughs> yeah, but what what James said was that um, it was he used a, a pretty Big Ten win, um, and he has mentioned a few times now that winning in college football is not easy. And as cliche as that sounds to say, like a win is a win is one of probably the more uh, used cliches in sports, it's accurate. Um, And there's so much nonsense that happens in college football on on a regular basis. And Penn State really hasn't had to deal with any of it um, over the past year. I think the last upset loss Penn State had was that nine overtime game against Illinois in 2021. But aside from that, last season, Penn State won every game it was supposed to win. And, of course, that opens – everybody to more criticism when they don't beat Ohio state and Michigan, because those losses are magnified when they're the only ones, but Penn state has really done a good job of winning those type of games. And even if they have to win ugly, winning ugly is necessary. Unless you're 2001 Miami, you're not going to blow anybody blow everybody out. Excuse me. So um, it wasn't perfect. And we'll talk more about the offense later, but um, yeah, Penn state, averted falling into um, the nonsense, I would say, that a lot of top 10 teams do uh, in games like that, 
at Illinois, that could have been a trap. So, and not only yeah. are they not only are they winning games, Joe, against teams that they should, they're also beating the spread. So they are winning games against opponents that they should in a manner exceeding the way that they should. Alabama can't say the same thing. So they're three and zero, and it's on to Iowa. Good teams win, great teams cover. And now we're going to take a quick break and return for more latching out on the new Sports Now Network after this quick break. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Esports Now Network. They are Kevin and Joe. I am Jared. Gentlemen, the offense had a had a touchdown pass, only one, uh, and it was thrown by Trey Potts. It wasn't Drew Aller, which is weird, but they still did just enough to win the game by three scores. They did, but their offense looked bad. And I'm not even going to say good. They looked bad. And I think it's on Mike Yersich's shoulders. Kansas gave Yersich a blueprint on how to beat this team last week. Kansas put up, what, 35, 38 points against Illinois? And you know what they did? They did a Big 12-style offense. They spread the defense out, went side to side, and then got vertical. Yersich, for the first, like, six, eight drives of the game, was just like, huh, let's run the ball for two yards to carry and punt. Like, what the hell was that? It's... There was two plays in the game, I believe. One was the fourth and one where they were in the T formation, and then they called an audible. I think it was a planned audible, but like split four people out wide. They had linebackers on both tight ends, and Bielema was was forced to call a timeout. Illinois was selling out to stop the run, stacking seven, eight guys in the box every damn play, and yours is like, let's just keep running into them. I mean... Get some quick screens, get some toss sweeps, get anything to start moving them laterally, start shifting tight ends from the tight formation out wide. And they didn't do any of that. And you're just sitting there watching the game on TV. And it's like, why the hell do you just keep going back to this? Eventually it paid off for them, but spread them out, put linebackers on Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, no linebacker, the country's covering those guys. Yeah, and I think that's what's tough. I mean, teams are for are still going to sell out to stop the run and make Drew Aller beat you. And Illinois is probably the biggest challenge that Penn State's had. It's a little bit different from when they're playing Kansas because now this game matters in the, in the standings. You know, obviously it's nice to to get a win or get whatever against Kansas um, or, or a non-conference win, but Big Ten wins are what matter. They're, they're what help pay Brett Bielema's bills, um, so to speak. So they're going to sell out to to beat the run, and, and they had struggled in and against the run, uh, to be perfectly honest, going into that game. But yeah, I mean, the first few series are always going to be scripted, so it's always going to be a feeling out process to see what the other team is giving you. Both teams haven't seen, you know, coming into this, they've only seen bits and pieces of each other. Um, they're not seeing the full the full playbook, but again. The fact of the matter is the offense and Joe alluded to this in the, in the first segment, they're not turning the ball over. Drew Aller is, is being a great game manager. Did he have the best statistical day? No, but his, his receivers definitely didn't help. And Trey Wallace being out was, was a big factor on Saturday. Yeah. 
And the offense didn't have a good day, which we talked about. Uh, this was Drew Hours' uh, worst game as a college starter. Uh, he wa he wasn't awful by any stretch. I don't want to say that. And he didn't throw any uh, interceptions, um, which is always a positive. But um, he definitely uh, was not at his best. Uh, I think James knows that. Uh, Drew knows that. And uh, he's, he's going to be fine. I'm not too worried. Um, I also think, too, if Keandre Lambert-Smith doesn't take a personal foul, yeah, it was a little ticky-tacky, maybe a soft call, you could argue. But at the same time, you're a veteran player. Just don't buy the bait. Um, the second guy always gets caught, and Keandre should know better. Um, and if that penalty doesn't happen, they you think that Falcons, at worst, would make a field goal on that drive, if not Penn State getting a touchdown and going up 20 to nothing and really – uh, burying Illinois uh, before halftime. And the penalties, I think, were probably the most annoying thing about that game. Uh, and the worst thing was they were committed by veteran players too. Devon Elise uh, getting a personal foul, although to be fair, I don't know what he did to get that personal foul. He must have said something. I don't know. It was nothing obvious from the replay. Um, Olu getting called for a hold, which is unlike him. Second straight game, I think he's had a penalty. Uh, Hunter Nordzad, uh jumping for a false start. Um, these are veteran guys that are committing penalties, and that's something that uh, James wanted to clean up against Delaware, and they did not do a better job of that against Illinois. In fact, they were worse, and that's something uh, it doesn't need to be said that they can't beat um, Ohio State or Michigan with a bunch of penalties, and that's something uh, that needs to be cleaned up. But um, at the end of the day, if the offense has a bad day and you're still putting 30 points on the board, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. And we'll see if the offense, uh, finds its wings. Uh, but I think things are, things are going to be just fine. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing you're putting up 30 points and it's not your greatest day. Drew Aller did not have a great day. I think offensively when you're, when you have to fight against, uh, defensive front like that, that that made things tough for a Penn State um, offensive line that we all thought that, that was a strength for them um, so far this season. They they brought it and they brought they brought some energy and I and that's the thing you know obviously the defense tried to hold up its end of the bargain for Illinois and the offense did not do a great job of that. But if you're playing some complimentary football in all three phases, I mean special teams worked out. The field the the field goal game worked rather well. Uh, on Saturday. And I think that's something that after that first, first game uh, was a position of concern. And I think now that there's some stability there, that's a good problem to have for Penn state moving forward, especially as the big 10 schedule gets a lot tougher. Jared, you mentioned it. Jershon Newton had an absolute game. The stat sheet doesn't indicate it. He had six total tackles, only one tackle for loss that he was credited with, but man, the impact he had on this game is well beyond what the stat sheet indicates he blocked that field goal early and he was just a disruptor all day long. And if he ain't the best defensive prospect in the NFL draft coming up, he's definitely going to be the number one defensive tackle. Cause I don't know a guy who's having that much of an impact against an offensive line like him. And then when we go to the wide receiver core, we got to look at maybe getting Caden Saunders in there as wide receiver too. If, uh, Trey Wallace can't go next week because Malik McLean had one catch on six targets, two key drops on second downs. Penn State did not get the ensuing third downs on both of those cases and punted. So two key drops became two key drive killers. And 
I'm not here to rip him apart, but he had the drop against West Virginia in the red zone. He had two drops today, and it's you don't want to start getting the Deontay drops in nickname like a Steeler that we know. So maybe he just needs to spend more time on the jugs machine and you know actually looking the ball into his into his hands because those are two balls that need to be caught. And they're both killers. They're both killers. You yeah. everyone's everyone's entitled to a bad game, but man, those are backbreaking to like a second and seven and second and eight were dropping first down passes like i i don't know yeah that's the thing you can't have the drops the drop seeds have got to go they haven't had the, this bad i think i started the season as far as drops go probably since david corley was the head was the wide receivers coach um leading and that was the year that they went into the to the um the citrus bowl um, but yeah, I mean, you, you have to clean that up, but again, it's only game three. So th- that there's value in that, right? It's still very early in the season. Obviously you get Iowa coming into happy Valley, uh, this weekend, but then you're at Northwestern and then you've get a, a nice little tune up game. You get a week off, then a tune up game against UMass at home before traveling out to Columbus and what's going to be potentially a, a, a big game as far as the rest of the season goes for, for the big 10 for the both and both of the programs. But, but the biggest thing now is, is just fixing those mistakes for Iowa and you're going to be benefiting from a late game. This is a, against Iowa. They're not necessarily worried about the environment. They play in Kinnick, uh, which is not obviously Beaver stadium, but they're used to big atmospheres, big time games. And, and that's one of those situations where now you, you just get to line up and play some football. And I think that's exactly what can happen here. And the best thing that it, that it is, is that it's at Beaver stadium. Yeah. And this will be Penn state's first game since Sean Clifford got knocked out and the special teams teams coordinator uh, for Iowa mocked him for, and did the little flop on the sidelines. So if you ever see the special teams coordinator this weekend, make sure you give a big uh, one finger oh, salute, and the, salute the for meme, us all. The meme of the guy. Oh, the fan. Himself. Yeah. Oh, he was like hurting his. He was it's like already making people. rounds on on the Twitter sphere already. But yeah, just kind well, of. It's, con- it's, it's been making rounds every day for the past two years. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It doesn't matter if there's a season. I somehow come across that gif every single day, and I'm not even exaggerating. Like. They find some reason to use it, and I think I personally think Penn State Twitter could get some new material, but I don't know. Nonsense. So why why change what works, right? And what works right now for the Penn State offense is yeah. getting is dropping the football, unfortunately. But I think the biggest thing is hope hope that Trey Wallace can come back this week. I think that is that alleviates a lot of pressure from, from a lot of other people because Keandre Lambert Smith is the bona fide one. Now then it's kind of, then it's Trey Wallace and, and whoever, I mean, Liam Clifford is, is, is playing some really good football. Um, didn't really think that it was going to be one of those situations where I would be thinking of a Clifford having success offensively this early after Sean Clifford left, but here we are. And, the best yeah, thing that... uh, right now, though, is that there isn't a lot of great football being played throughout the country. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Esports Now Network.
Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Esports Now Network. I'm Jared. These guys are Kevin and Joe. We are not the Jonas Brothers. We are just three guys on the Lashing Out Podcast, unfortunately. But speaking of trios, there's not quite a better a better lead guy right now than than Pat Narduzzi. I love me some Pat Narduzzi. I um, I was texting a bunch of pit friends uh, on my way home from Pittsburgh on Saturday night, and it was just phenomenal. Um, Pat Narduzzi is fiercely loyal to a fault, and I think it cost them big time because they lost the backyard brawl. There are you know games at Pitt that you can't lose. Um, Penn State is one of them whenever they play. In the backyard brawl, when the team is on the cusp of firing their head coach, uh, is right up there too. And Phil... Jerkovic, um, Boston College product, who was also at Notre Dame and and from Pine Richland, um, over in Pittsburgh. Man, he comes out first week or last week they lose to Cincinnati. Claims, uh, gets mad at the fans for booing. Then Pat Narduzzi doesn't let him speak to the media after just not doing a great job. Like we talk about how like the the inaccuracy that Drew Aller showed it was not bad it was not nearly as bad as as Jerkovic against West Virginia a team that Aller and company handled with ease just a few weeks ago yeah i think uh Pat Narduzzi might be uh benefited from going to a one word offense because it seems that uh his offense sucks i mean 6 points the leading passer of the game was Jerkovic with 81 yards three interceptions and Garrett green got knocked out like early in the first quarter and West Virginia was still able to dominate. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, the, they were ready. West Virginia was ready for that atmosphere that night, that moment. And it, and it paid off. And I think that's, there is Neil Brown is fighting for his, his job right now. Um, obviously West Virginia loses to Penn state. They get thumped. That was kind of expected, but to come out and beat, Duquesne the way that they did and then do beat Pitt the way that they did. I think he, the hot seat is a little, is a little warm or a little less warm for him, a little less hot, but, but Joe, Pat does such a great job of, of talking. Uh, I don't want to say talking shit, but not been, but he, he does. And then just doesn't back it up. Yeah. And a good example of that. And I'm glad you ended with that. Cause that segues perfectly into what I'm about to say. Pitt's one great season in the past, 40-plus years was two years ago. After that season, the offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, goes to Nebraska. The receivers coach, Brendan Marion, goes to Texas. Narduzzi takes jabs at both of them in the offseason and says they got, quote-unquote, much better people. Well, the whole offense is horrible, and the receivers are horrible. Uh, Frank Signetti's the new offensive coordinator. He's done just an awful job. Uh, and there's no real other way to say that. Uh, the receivers coach, I think Taekwon Underwood is his name. I think I'm not 100% sure, but the receivers are bad. They didn't, I, I'm as bad as uh, Jerkovic was. I'm not making excuses for him, but he didn't have any help in the receiving game at all. So, uh, yeah, when you talk the way Pat Narduzzi talks, uh, you got to back it up. And not only are they not backing it up, they look like a legitimately bad football team right now. And they got, Ford State, UNC, and Miami, or not Miami, uh, Notre Dame uh, coming up on the schedule. Uh, 
yeah, it uh, might be a tough season um, in Oakland. And uh, Pat Narduzzi is not really a guy that people feel bad about watching watching struggle, at least from the outside. I don't know the guy, but when when you talk, you got to win. And Deion Sanders is winning right now. I don't know how long that's going to last, but Pat Narduzzi is not winning. So it's a bad look when you have a big mouth and you can't in – your play can't catch that. So, yeah, dudes. And so, what's what's funny is he, like I said, he is loyal to a fault. I mean, you saw this with his with Blewett, the kicker. Even when Pickett struggled, and and some other guys struggled throughout their careers at Pitt, he's loyal, and, and I respect that. I, I think there's value in that. But the guy behind Jerkovic is a Pence is a transfer from that one word offense, Christian Veyu, who was a backup quarterback at Penn State. Um, under James Franklin, he is perfectly capable, I think, of, of handling the pit offense. Um, is he an upgrade over Djurkovic? Probably. Um, but what a cruel sense of irony that would be for them to um, to rely on the Penn State guy to come in and, and lead the charge. But it, it, this is my favorite part about Pat Narduzzi. Michigan State is uh, – is a tire fire right now uh, with Mel Tucker being suspended. They got absolutely boat raced yesterday or on Saturday, I should say. And like <laughs> that's unfortunate for them. Yes. But they got beat to the tune of 41 to seven by future big 10 foe, current PAC 12 member and the number eight team in the, in the country, Washington. So, and, and the reason why I mentioned Narduzzi here is because Every time that job opens, Narduzzi, for what he did um, years ago as the defensive coordinator there, is, is always rumored to be that job. But he always finds a way to mess it up. Like, it's on a silver platter. There's probably – if he starts having more success at Pitt, you know, he's won that Big Ten. He's won the ACC championship. He's done well there. They've won bowl games. And then he goes out and finds a way to lay an absolute egg. And, and I would absolutely live – for the bulletin board material, if Narduzzi was at Michigan State and the prestigious land grant trophy was on the table every year for Michigan State and Penn State, that would be must see TV, just like we're seeing out in Boulder, Colorado with Deion Sanders. Yeah. And you want to talk about two other teams that laid an egg? Alabama and Tennessee, man. Alabama was tied with. South Florida until like the middle of the third quarter. That's 34. Dude, the, point fav- the storm was intense down there. It was great. 34 point favorites at, at USF. Barely got the job done 17 to three. Dropped three positions in the rankings to 13th. Tennessee just no show to Florida. Ugly ending to that game as well. And yeah, you mentioned Deion Sanders. 3 and 0. Ugly win against Colorado State. A win's a win. That's all that matters. Needed a Pretty big play at the end of the game to get it to OT. And um they're on the road at Oregon this week. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes for Prime. We'll see how much uh let's see if Oregon learns to not talk trash before the game and give Prime all the uh they already did. They already talked about what Colorado hasn't done or, or it's you just can't talk crap to Deion Sanders. This dude has been an elite athlete at two different levels. Yeah, and we're, we're, um, an elite trash talker. Oh my God! Yes. While we're talking, um, while we're talking about the Pac-12, how odd is it that 
the Pac-12 has a pretty strong case as the best conference in college football right now, and it's all just about to fall apart in about 10 months, not even. Yeah, all of their ranked teams are leaving the conference. They're the only team they have the most ranked teams of any conference in college football, and they're all leaving. Though uh, it is it is very ironic that Stanford, Colorado, and and uh, Arizona State got destroyed by St- Sacramento State and Fresno State, respectively. I forget some measure came up for the Pac-12 this week, and Stanford was uh stanford and was it oregon state were the only two teams that like they're like we're the only two teams left so we have voting control rights so they just like voted 2-0 against whatever (laughs) thing came up for it um but much like like penn state there are other teams that are struggling too like you mentioned alabama struggling to get through usf yeah well that was a that was a non-conference road game for the first time in god knows how long um for alabama i Penn State was one of the um, one of the last teams that they played in a non-conference game on the road, um, but you you have teams like that. Florida State nearly lost to Boston College. Um, Kansas State got walked off by Missouri. Um, Utah handled Weber State. Utah is scary because um, Cam Rising still hasn't played, but Notre Dame did did well against. Um, division or directional Michigan um, Georgia and uh, South Carolina were in a slugfest for quite a bit, uh, which was bizarre. Oregon state handled San Diego state. Well, Oklahoma handled Tulsa, uh, North Carolina and Minnesota were solid. I think North North Carolina has a potential to boat race pit next year or next week. Um, I should say Duke Northwestern, Iowa handled Western Michigan. They scored 41 points, which is a shock. Um, I, I was not sure that they were capable of scoring more than 30 points. And then they went out and did it. Ohio state handled Western Kentucky, not a shock. What Washington dismantled Michigan state, Washington state handled, they put up 64 against Northern Colorado. Oh, UCLA. Can I, can I yeah. Ohio state needed that win against Western Kentucky. No, oh, absolutely. They, they needed to get there. They needed to get on the road this week to get this thing rolling before they go into conference play. And it, it looks like they did that. So good on them. Maybe, maybe that good matchup is brewing after all. Sorry. But you want to talk about like being back. Texas was in an absolute slugfest with Wyoming for three quarters before ultimately pulling away at the very end. You know, these teams aren't playing great football right now. It's still early. Teams are still figuring out their identities. So, then you look at the rankings, you see Penn State at number seven. That's not a bad spot for them to be in by any means. Um, there's still so much football that needs to be played. And let's, again, take a step back. These rankings are kind of irrelevant until the college – or they're relevant only until the college football playoff poll comes out. And Penn State, as long as they're on the doorstep, you know, they they should be in a really good position here with a win against Iowa this week. That puts them uh, – that's a 7-verse-24 matchup. And, and see what happens. You know, there's a lot that can still happen ahead of them, um, but they're playing some really good football. They're still, they're not playing great football and they're still winning by three scores. And there is significant value in that. Yeah. My last thing on the rankings is it's kind of surprising that Texas was able to jump Florida state in the rainy and the rankings this week. I'm surprised USC didn't jump both of Florida them. state got a, a first place vote. And I like when those, when though, when the AP releases who, voted for who I am very interested to see who did that because that just seems like an 
asinine vote for me from what I've seen from Florida State this year. Yeah, it's it's baffling to me. I thought USC is probably the third ranked team in the country after last week. So, but there's many more weeks left in the season. Yeah, and, and they're the best is yet to come for Penn State, and the best is yet to come for for a bunch of other teams. I mean, I I touched base uh, a little bit about this uh, Penn State schedule coming um, coming out of this Iowa game, but there's so much more that that can happen. But for for Kevin Quigley and Joe Smelter, this has been Jared Prugar on the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nitty Sports Now Network. We'll catch you again later in the week to talk about Iowa. <laughs>